the CPL return and RBC heritage edition of the sports gambling podcast is presented by MyBookie.ag. Use the promo code SGP for up to $1,000 in bonus bets. Plus deposit this week and you get a $10 free bet for the Belmont stakes. That's my bookie.ag promo code SGP to play, win and get paid. We're also brought to you by your SGPN college football tournament. We're simulating a real college football playoff that you can bet on. Games are live every Saturday and Sunday night in June. Go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash CFT for all the details at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash CFT. We're also brought to you by Ace Per Head. Ace is the leader in pay per head providers and they make it super easy to start your own sports book. Plus, Ace is offering up to six weeks free over to aceperhead.com slash SGP. That's aceperhead.com slash SGP. Finally, we're brought to you by Cushy Dreams. Cushy Dreams is a new company with a full line of premium smokable CBD, now shipping legally to all 50 states. And if you use the promo code SGP, you get 15% off. That's K U S H Y dreams.com, promo code SGP. You're listening to the Sports Gambling Podcast, exclusively on SGPN. Let it ride. Welcome everyone to the sports gambling podcast. I'm Sean stacking that money green with my partner in picks, right? Real money. Kramer. It's happening. Kramer dog. Hello, Sean. We are here to to talk about two of your favorite things. Well, you're joking about one of them, but you're serious about the other. I'm not joking. You have been very concerned about the return of EPL, Sean. I think it's fine if you want to pretend like you don't like soccer. I think it's fine if you want to point out that soccer has never caught on in this country. I think it's fine if you want to try to say that American football is better. Yes. But you, Sean, stacking the money green, <laughs> Sim God, and DGen only. Is so desperate for sports to come back. You want it to be the EPL. It's gotten so crazy. And, I may watch some games. And what you're gonna find when you dabble, when you dip the toe in the EPL pool, is you're gonna find, wow, I'm gaining a respect <laughs> for how physical this game is. Wow. I'm gaining a respect for how much fun it is to gamble on these men who say words like fancy and fit. Come Looking on, very Sean. fit out on the field. Pitch. Kramer. Pitch. You know who's fit? Our presenting sponsor, mybookie.ag. That's right. Sports are back. Sports are dominating golf. We're going to be talking to Steve later. RBC Heritage. All the picks, odds, courtesy of mybookie.ag. EPL action. You can find that all over at mybookie.ag. And special to this week, use that promo code SGP. Not only do you get the sweet deposit bonus, but an additional $10 uh, bonus in their race book. So, Free ten dollars to bet on the Belmont Stakes. You of course uh, may recall me uh, winning a shit ton of money on Country <laughs> House. 
And we uh, both, we both been down that road. Yes. We've had, we've had a number of huge wins, horse racing. Uh, I'll have another 18 to one. I believe we've had some nice runs. So I mean, $10, you're thinking, what can I do with that? Throw it on a 50 to one. I, I don't know. Whatever you're throw a tri box trifecta. Can I tell a, a funny, quick horse racing anecdote? Go for it. Well, of course, horse racing is back. And uh, this has nothing to do with our sponsors. No one's paying to, but we we <laughs> may have spent a uh, an afternoon with site editor Ryan McKee, betting on some horses on a Zoom call, kind of having a birthday celebration. Yeah. And if you recall, I don't think I've touted this on the air, but I slayed it. I did. I did the classic. Ryan is such a degenerate. He's betting more. Mo- he's betting money to the point where he's making people uncomfortable. When it's like, oh yeah, what did you just cash on that? And everyone's betting a dollar, two dollars, which is normal. It's horse racing. I may have been betting hundreds of dollars. So, anyway, long story short, you you were trying to find someone r- to write some horse riding material, horse racing material for the sports gambling podcast, and I, it dawned on me, holy shit. I still have all this cash in my account. <laughs> I never, I knew if I took it out, I would never go back, but I left it in there and I was like, I'll save it for the triple count crown because I know they're going to find a way to get those little men on those horses and run in circles for me. And they are. And so Sean, long story short, I have four figures sitting in a horse racing account <laughs> right now. Oh my God. Well, of course it's the my bookie dad, yeah, race sorry. book. And <laughs> I have not enjoyed uh any sort of zoom activity or zoom call with the exception of Ryan McKee's little <laughs> horse horse racing birthday party. It yeah. was legitimately fun. So if you're looking for something to do uh, the Belmont and of course, you know, whatever is considered the big race, I forget what number, but they're running races all day yeah. and you can, you can bet on other tracks uh, using the feed. So I would highly recommend getting a couple of your buddies together. Or if you live in a state where it's not controlled by fascists and you can meet up in person Hang outside, don't spread the germs, but bet together and get a little zoom action going. It was a fun way to do quarantine. Betting. Well, and here's why it works, right? Number one reason Zoom calls don't work is because people are constantly talking over each other. Yeah. Number one reason why gambling with your friends and watching horse racing works over Zoom is because everyone's supposed to be screaming at the same time. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what you're saying, right? Good. Let's move on. Sean, there's lots more to talk about though. There is. Breaking news. New York Giants kicker uh, Aldrich Rosas, who you've pro- proclaimed many a times, was the star was. of the. Oh, was no longer was well formerly the star of the New York Giants. He was involved in a uh, he t-boned another vehicle. He was drunk uh, driving 100 miles per hour at 8:25 a.m. in Chico, California. Hashtag Dejans only. T-boned the uh, the pickup truck and then uh, fled the sl- the scene. His vehicle, his SUV broke down, and then he started. Were there injuries? Uh yeah, he got he got injured. He 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 looks like he's cut up and uh, bloody, and uh, going to jail. So Kramer, already two arrests going into the NFL season. A- any thoughts on Aldrich Rosas? Do you suspend a kicker? What happens? Has he been convicted yet? No, but Sean, how reckless of you as an American <laughs> to not wait for the due process. Rosas. Second of all, if there's ever a time where you know exhi- exhibiting a, a slight bit of crazy behavior, uh, so you got quarantine fever. Well, do we have the dash cams? <laughs> do we know what the police were doing, Sean? I have questions. Oh, okay, so maybe yeah, I have right. questions. Uh, look, I, I think you know 
people want to write news stories. I get it. You want to attack the kicker. You want to attack. You want to attack one of the team leaders. It, it feels it's, like right out of a, a scene out of like necessary roughness or something. But I, I will say, like to a like eight to be wasted at eight twenty five in the morning. Kudos to you. You're finding a way to have a good social distancing quarantine. Chico, California is a party town. Uh, but yeah, I mean, what, what, like, come on, dude, like just sounds like the kind of place where you just should drive on the dirt roads. Maybe stay off the yeah, street. Just you know? get an Uber. Uh, you're Why rich, are we bringing you're a this kicker. up? Well, are you bringing this up? Cause you wanted to talk about football and you wanted to mention how we are going to be back in the booth this Thursday, this Friday, calling some fabulous, my bookie Madden games, some, some Madden yes, games over on my bookie summer. Madden. Uh, we are doing, this is week three. This is all about week three on the NFL schedule. We got dolphins Jags starting things off on Thursday night, 5 PM on the West coast, 8 PM on the East coast. And then we're going to be doing games both nights at eight and 10 on the East coast, five and seven on the West coast. We got bucks Broncos on deck for Thursday in the nightcap. And then on Friday we have Packers saints. That should be a good one. Saints are sim gods. game of the year. And then we have chiefs Ravens. Also, should be an awesome game. So, although, although the Ravens are kind of uh, disappointing in the uh, in the sim world, every time, and then and uh, then I keep saying Lamar Jackson yeah. should have should have been a receiver, and and <laughs> people in the chat yeah. get all fired up. Maybe they'll fix this with next year's Madden version, which of well, course he was he's the cover up and perfect way to crowbar it back to more uh, promoting our content. I gave out my top ten oh. list, as did you, for the top ten list of fantasy football quarterbacks. Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes were not number one on my list. You have to download the podcast to hear who it is. And the fact that he's on the cover of Madden 21, I feel so good because we know the Madden curse is still alive. Some would argue that Patrick Mahomes broke it last year by being on the cover and winning the Super Bowl. However, Patrick Mahomes didn't put up amazing fantasy numbers last year because he missed a bunch of games. And uh, in fairness, I saw, I saw something about this Mahomes last year. They won the Super Bowl. Hard to say he was cursed. The year before but he did that, that that freak knee injury. No, no, I agree. There was still a little bit. Of there injury. was a little curse action. You can walk yourself back to the curse existing. Antonio Brown had a monster statistical year. Again, you can retrofit <laughs> why it was a curse now. A uh, year before, Tom Brady, 2018, won the it's MVP a baby of the league. Fucking wheel, man. So perhaps the curse doesn't quite exist. But as we discussed on that episode, Sean, I think we both expect there to be some regression. Regression candidates do exist. And just so people are clear, not only are we calling games this Thursday and Friday, we're also calling games next Thursday and Friday. And teaser alert, the Giants and the Eagles are on the schedule. So oh yeah. stay and then tuned. Saturday and Sunday, of course, the college football tournament continues. Saturday and Sunday are for the uh the colleges, as they say, the amateurs. For the boys uh that are playing college football. And ladies, and boys who think they're <laughs> ladies, and ladies who think they're boys. Well, and uh, the leaderboard is up, and as you'll notice, tied for first place, Sean Green with the perfect bracket, aka SG, aka the Sim God. Sim God is really filling in nicely. Well, Kramer, I think it's time to transition. Well, real quick on the Sim God topic. Yes, this will this won't take much time, but someone asked me about my uh, my profile. What does this mean? You're down units to Sean. <laughs> And sim god. So uh, funny anecdote. Had to explain what a sim god Kramer, was to a, Kramer, to a lame, a lame stream normal person. Kramer does update his profile with his current balance. <laughs> it's uh, he's down eight units, and one day I will collect and have a ton of his cash. 
you want to start collecting cash from people for their losing bets. Maybe, you know, some losers in your life, you considered opening your own sports book. It's really easier than it sounds. You don't need to know how to set a line. You don't need to know how to even put together a website. All you need to know how to do is just go to aceperhead.com slash S G P aceperhead.com slash S G P. You can become a bookie in just minutes. And if you use that link up to six weeks free, that's right. Six weeks free of some of the best paperhead software and hosting platforms on the market. Uh, very easy to use. Very sharp lines. Hey, it's 2020 time to start your own business. Sports are getting back. We got golf action. You can book. We got NBA right around the corner golf. It's all happening. Go to aceperhead.com slash S G P joining us on the line, host of the EPL show, the Bundesliga uh, show. Oh, the you almost got Bundesliga right. show, the fight show, soccer and MMA expert, Billy Bahate. Billy, how, how are you doing, man? I'm good. You know, I tried to get that show changed to thus Bundesliga show. Sometimes <laughs> I was, sometimes I was adding, um, getting it added up under that title. I was wondering if Kramer was letting it slip through or no, no. I, when you, when I, when the, the, the first time you submitted or when, maybe I didn't notice, but I saw the one time where you threw the proper like umlauts in there too. And I was <laughs> yeah. like, oh yeah, I like this Das Bundesliga. And what you don't know, Billy, is that during the simulations that we broadcast uh, for my bookie and, and, and our Twitch stream, uh, people have been requesting that I say Das Bundesliga. <laughs> so they're, they must be into it, you know? Yeah, I had no idea. I figured that I would go down that route. Uh, I had to check though what the was because there was a male and female version of way to say the when you're referencing the what, <laughs> what comes after it. So I had to look into this stuff as well, but I wanted to get it as authentic as possible, seeing as we're only going to be doing this a one-time thing because usually this this show does exist on my website, but European football exists as one show over at Lock Bang. So normally we just do the regular EPL. So this was a chance to do a different well, league, it, but it's cashing in on the opportunity with real men stepping up to the plate and playing sport, Sean. <laughs> Not like these pussies over here with American baseball. Yeah, that's insane that they still can't figure it out. The EPL, the the soccer, the soccer heads over in England have figured it out. <laughs> They're going to be playing the footy. Uh, how excited are you for the return of uh, soccer? I mean, were you were you really getting into Bundesliga, or was it was it just kind of like the uh, methadone until you got the EPL fix? Look, Bundesliga is a higher level league. It's um, the, the the winner of the the Bundesliga, which is usually Bayern Munich. They do contend for the Champions League, so it wasn't too rough because we've had Spain come back in the last week. Italy comes back in at the same time as the EPL, so everything coming back together. Bundesliga did have three weeks out by itself. We really suffered during the lockdown period because we had to go all the way down to Belarusian football, and these guys are <laughs> barely barely professionals. So that was a real struggle having to watch that standard and caliber of football. But uh, as things have slowly come back, Bundesliga had its own standalone three weeks or so, but now all of the real stuff is coming back with your Barcelona's real Madrid's Juventus and all of the crew from the EPL who all could contend for champions league, all do contend to sign the best players in the world and all are highly competitive, watchable leagues. So yeah, everything's back to normal. Now it's just the behind closed door stuff. And I'm not sure how I feel about the, um, the backing track that's been put in because they're basically playing crowd noises from 
from video games and whatnot. And uh, <laughs> I only worked out yesterday, this is an interesting thing, I only worked out yesterday that the TV companies are playing that track. I thought it was the stadium track that the players could hear all this atmosphere and everything. But if you watch the feed on the betting website, so for example, Bet365 air all the games live, you can still then hear the proper behind closed door stuff where it's um, the players all shouting at each other for the ball and very small amounts of noise. But when you watch it on a TV broadcast, they're the ones that are piping in all the sounds. They're the ones that have the, the sound collected and are playing it to you. So I wasn't aware of that till yesterday. I thought for about three weeks that the sound was being played over the stadium. And the and the players so, felt like they're actually in a ground. So Billy, do you think this is this is obviously going to clearly uh, assist in road teams' ability to stay organized on defense and things of that nature? Have you seen that already in the Bundesliga? Sorry, das Bundesliga. In, in terms of in terms of what? In terms well, like of, when um, you go on the road, there's no noise. So you like the back four, the goalie, they're going to be able to communicate a lot more. I would imagine that would help maybe keep scores down. I mean, wh- have you noticed anything so far? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, th- what it what it has done is without the home fans there, the home advantage has been completely neutralized. And it, originally, I figured that it would neutralize it to an, a less ex- lesser extent than it has. Obviously, if it would have some effect, if you don't have your home fans there, putting it putting it on you to win and willing you and and essentially being totally against the other team, that that advantage is completely gone because they're they're not there. I mean, some teams, some very very small selection teams, don't get any advantage from that because the crowds actually get on their backs and they actually find it difficult to play at home. But for <laughs> most cases, for the most cases, eighty or ninety percent of the time your home supporters cheering you on and motivating you would be a positive factor. But what we've seen here is that um, with that, without that advantage, it completely has neutralized home advantage in the Bundesliga. I still thought there would be an advantage of knowing that this is your home ground, being used to the facilities there, being used to the surroundings, being used to the the pitch even, but it's had no advantage at all. As we come into this, this weekend of Bundesliga matches, well, this midweek of Bundesliga matches, we've had just 20% home wins. Wow. Uh, 11, 11 out of 55. That's crazy. And 51% away wins. And uh, 29%. Uh, are, are they, uh, do you have they, uh, have the people setting the lines, have they adjusted that enough? Like, I, I'm looking at the EPL. The EPL lines, and of course, uh, people want to check out your EPL show, dropping. Dropping uh, wherever great podcasts are are found on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network feed. Even gonna throwing an appearance on the uh, SGP main feed as well. So uh, I, I'm just kind of pulling this out of nowhere. But Arsenal plus six eighty five <laughs> dog in Man City on the uh, three way money line there. Yeah, almost six to one. Is there is there more value than there would normally be? There absolutely has to be more value than there usually be. If you're looking at the data that you've collected from this small amount of Bundesliga games with 51% away winners, you have to think that that factor then rides onto other leagues. We saw four home winners out of the first 12 games from the La Liga as we, as we're recording this show, there's been some more games since, but yeah, I mean, it is not going to be as high as 51% away teams. Cause that basically tells you that without any prior football knowledge, you could have gone into the situation and thought, ah, yeah, they're not going to have their fans there. This could be a neutralizing factor. I'll blindly throw money on the away teams and you would have come out. You would have been a dummy for doing it on paper, but you would have come out with, with a whole load of money. 51% away teams where 90% of the time, the away team is the underdog. You would have cashed 51% underdog. So th- there's, there's definitely premise to do it. And 
I don't think you're going to come in with those same sort of numbers. But yeah, there's got to be a there's got to be an argument for doing that in terms of taking these away teams in that particular fixture as well. Uh, one of the things when we handicap these lines and look at picking winners where we do give them out, you've got to look at the motivating factors as well. One of the reasons why so many people wanted to get this Premier League back is because people are in situations where they're contending for Champions League positions. Liverpool want to win the league because they need two more wins. And then other teams are trying to get into the top four or the top five even because if Man City European band sticks, then it will be the top five Premier League teams that carry on playing in the Champions League. And at the bottom as well, you have teams that want to get themselves out of the relegation zone. So we have interest at the bottom of the table with teams going down and interest um, at the top as well. But we also have these mishmash of middle teams. You have teams that can't get outside the top four. You have teams that can't get in the top four. You have teams that have no interest in the relegation battle at all because they're completely safe. These are all your fadeable teams. And Manchester City, although a much better team than Arsenal, they cannot drop outside of the top four. They've got too many points and they can't win the league either. So they're just playing out these nine games for the hell of it. It's, they, it's, they, it's compulsory. It's, they have to do it. Whereas Arsenal, they have an opportunity, it's a very slim opportunity to get into the top five and get Champions League football. But they also want to get Europa League football at a minimum. So that's finishing inside the top seven. So you're looking at a much inferior team that have a lot to play for against a better team that have nothing to play for. And all of these things have to factor in when you're um, looking at who you want to bet or the football. It's not just a case of Man City have always been better than Arsenal, have better players than Arsenal and have a much better winning record against Arsenal over the last few years. Yeah, so and, well, you... real quick, because I, I know, and we should get this out of the way. Cause I know Billy, you're, you're a big time hater of Liverpool. They're your Red Sox. <laughs> they're your Cowboys. And they're, they're, they're the restart of the season really only means one thing. And that's Liverpool. Liverpool is going to get, they're finally going to lift the trophy. They're going to lift the trophy after so many years. So what can, are you happy that, you know, all this social distancing is going on? So you're going to not going to have to deal with all these Liverpool fan assholes (laughs) out there celebrate. Like what, what, what are you just take me through the experience that you're about to live through as, as someone, I mean, this is like the Cowboys winning the super bowl, Sean, like what would we do? It would be horrible. It's, it's horrible, but I don't live in Liverpool. So we've always, <laughs> we've always had to dealt, we've always had to deal with these people on, on, on social media. And for years, it's always been a case of um, them telling us what they're going to do. And, um, <laughs> and then, and then complaining about how everything went against them and how the world's against them. And, and everything when it when it didn't. I mean, they're they're unbearable in so many ways. I mean, just generally, that Liverpool as a as a city isn't isn't a nice place to go, and it isn't filled with particularly nice people. But um, this there was an inevitability to this. There are a lot of Man United fans that wanted to avoid this to the extent of where they didn't even want the season to continue. Now, <laughs> when I was when I was doing my <laughs> if it all ended now shows, I was actually ranking in terms of the teams that wanted the season to start and wanted the season to to um, to go away and be voided. Now, Man United, they finished quite high on both charts, whereas there's, there was half the supporters that really, really want this season to continue. And if there wasn't a Man United rivalry with Liverpool, you look at it and go, right, Man United, they're still in the FA Cup. They're still in the Europa League. And they're on the cusps of returning to the Champions League because they're inside that top five. They have all the motivating factors here for wanting this season to continue. Yet, they still had to chart high on the on the other side of it because if you look on social media despite the fact that Man United are having a good season in terms of challenging for potential trophies and returning to the top four. And bearing in mind, this is a transitional year for Man United under a new manager where 
they are inbreding all of these new, uh, all of these new younger players. And the real plan was to challenge for the league or to challenge at least to try and compete for the league next season. Um, instead, you've got all of these Man United fans online saying, let's cancel the season, let's cancel the season. <laughs> and, it, and, it, and that's because they just want to see Liverpool win. They want, they, they would rather all of our work be undone, despite the fact that we're in the quarterfinals of the Europa League and quarterfinals of the FA Cup and on the cusp of returning to the Champions League but from our league position. They want all of that undone because they just don't want to see Liverpool ever win, win this league again. It's been 30 years since they've done it. And to put that into perspective, Liverpool were well clear of Manchester United in terms of who'd won this league the more times. And under Alex Ferguson, Man United just powered back and won um, around about, uh, I think it was like 12 league titles before Liverpool had won another one. So it's been 30 years since Liverpool have won it and Man United have captured 12 in that time and have gone ahead of them. They lead them by 20 Premier Leagues to 18. So at one point, Liverpool were 10 clear of Manchester United 30 years ago, and they've had to suffer and watch us win over and over and over again under Ferguson. And now so, they do have a chance to claw one back. So if you're like Sean, yes, and you're and you're stepping into this 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 soccer thing fresh because you're 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 a DGen, you've been betting simulations, you've been betting UFC, but you need more live sports to wet your more whistle. Action. And by the way, you can watch. A lot of the EPL is on MPA, MB, NBC Sports, NBC. Yeah. They have a great uh, kind of like better than any NFL recap show called Premier League Match of the Day, where they take you through like Kramer, 20, 20 minute highlights NFL of each game. Prime time. It's beautiful. I mean, what? honestly, you can you can follow the league watching like two hours a week if you don't want to watch any games. But if you're going to dip your toe back or into something new, into the soccer wagering world, the football wagering world, as Billy would call it. Sean probably has some questions, but he, he, he told me he didn't want to look like an idiot. So I'm going to ask these as if they were asked by the fans. Now, if I'm coming into to the EPL now, I already brought up the fact that I personally think games are going to be lower scoring and, and I might look to take unders because I think the fact that there isn't noise in a stadium as someone who played soccer, the number one thing crowd noise does to you is it makes you not be able to hear what's going around you on the field. You can hear people running. You can hear your teammates calling for the ball. You can hear the sound of the voice to know, is that my teammate or is that the other player? So I think I I'm going to approach this as a, I'm looking to play unders. Is there something that the, the novice soccer better should be looking at Billy, as far as their dip into the EPL pond? The other thing is interesting um, because I, I addressed this on, on social media before in terms of someone asking me why there was seemingly more unders than usual. And that's simply just down to a couple of factors. Um, there's an adjustment period in terms of coming back and playing. You can train and train all you want, but doing defending is an easier thing to do. It's, it's easy to, it's less skillful to get yourself organized and to stifle attacks and to get yourself into these um into these systems to stop people from scoring. And there's a lot of premier league teams that play that way. Anyway, especially against the bigger teams, they're used to setting up to avoid a defeat. And this becomes a lot easier because the skill of scoring a goal and, and producing that moment of, of magic and being able to deliver um, shots and shots and decent passes that open up defenses that requires a level of skill, which requires a level of practice, which requires a level of repetition. So originally I do think that there'll be more attacking rust than defensive rust. And that's just normal. Um, when you, when you well, come that's back. A, the, real quick, that's almost the similar mindset when we're handicapping NFL games, like the, the NFL preseason where the defense is 
instinctively ahead of the offense. Cause you don't in this it's case, react. It's not yeah, learned, you know, you don't have plays or whatever, whatever you guys run over there. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think everybody's learning. Everybody's learning a playbook. Yeah. They're still they're, they're learning what, what the new, what the Getting new runs are. Yeah. But yeah, sorry, so, sorry to cut you off there. No, no, no. But that, that just goes hand in hand with the unders as well. In addition to that, what we have without the crowds is, is that we don't have, especially with the home team. If you if you've got inferior home teams, for example, you don't have this necessity in order to have that mindset of these people paid for a ticket. So we're obligated to press forward and to try and win this game for our supporters. So be it work both ways, all the people that pay to watch you in your home ground who are maybe getting on your back because you're playing too negatively or all of your traveling away supporters. So sometimes you can have games in England where let's use a little, uh, let's use Newcastle and Southampton, for example, where it's a seven hour car journey where you've come from the South all the way down to Newcastle. And you don't want to watch your Southampton team with a shitty performance, putting 10 man at the back, trying not to lose. Now, bear in mind these two particular teams, that scenario wouldn't have played out. Uh, probably more likely to let's say someone like uh, Southampton traveling to Liverpool. It's only be a five hour journey, but still the tactic would be the same where they would be able to sit in and defend and it wouldn't be too entertaining for their traveling supporters. Now who gives a shit because yeah. you, you can go and play whatever tactic you want and go and, and go and play however you need to, in order to get whatever you need from the game. It doesn't matter. There's nobody to appease within the stadium, or at least nobody's going to get on your ass about it and, and boo you and, and, and heckle you and, and try and urge you to play a different game. There's the tactics that have been mapped out. You can stick to these strictly for the entire 90 minute period. And that in itself leads to unders too. So well, go ahead. Sean. Well, I, I, I'm hijacking here. No, 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 no. I, I, this is all good stuff as a, as a novice uh, soccer better who just takes uh, Billy's Billy's advice here. When you mentioned, uh, I, I like the psychology handicapping the teams facing relegation of the teams facing relegation that may kind of end up being big dogs in some of these games. Still, who are these? Who are these like bottom five teams or whatever it is? That are that are possibly relegated. Who is standing out to you as possibly like the the best kind of dog to to ride? Aston here? Villa. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, Aston Villa only 25 points, four and 17. Well, and, and Billy, real oh, sorry, quick, because seven I, four and 17. I think Aston Villa could be a, a team that Sean adopts. Uh, their star, of course, just just a guy that just to me looks like someone who Sean could get behind. Potentially Rudy. Uh, I don't know. What do you think, Billy? Grealish. He likes yeah. to, he would, he would get behind a, a Grealish. Well, he's a man. He wears <laughs> tiny shin guards because he's a real man. He's, he's from like, he's a local lad. Like he's playing for his hometown club. Oh, I like it. Yeah. I think you would like the story of Aston Villa, Sean. I think you would like it a lot. Uh, a, a little bit of that, uh, not necessarily parallels to the city of Philadelphia, but the team for scrappy. Sure. Although Aston Villa won stuff at some point in the past, unlike the Eagles. Yeah, Aston, Aston Villa, much like Leeds, who are in the lower league and, and just can't get back into the Premier League. They do have a history of uh, of being a successful club, but they, they're struggling at the moment. And they spent a lot of money to stay in the Premier League, unlike um, a Norwich, who pretty much knew that they were going back down. And even Sheffield United. But Sheffield United haven't gone back down. They've actually ended up being a team who have stayed in the mid table. They're actually seventh at the moment, but I think they may drop down to mid table without their supporters there, which is a very helpful home support. And they, and they do play up to it. I think they may struggle when we come back, but Aston Villa, 
they've massively underachieved. They bought a lot of players to stay in this league. Um, they have got Jack Grealish as well, who's a player that could play for any one of the teams in the top six. He's a highly rated uh, young English player who would like to have stayed at Aston Villa. They have turned down offers for him before. He's been happy for them to turn down the offers because it was his boyhood dream to be the Aston Villa club captain. But they have a horrendous running. When we come back, um, despite the fact that they are only two points outside the relegation zone, they have one of the most difficult run-ins coming back. Now, what has benefited them is that they did have some injuries and they got some of these players back. And that's consistent throughout the entire Premier League. If you're looking at someone like Tottenham, they had Harry Kane out, Song out, a load of players out. Now, during this lockdown period, not only have they got all of those players back, but Mourinho, who took over as a new manager there, someone you guys should be familiar with, um, he never really had a time uh, to adjust and sort out this defense because he's a very solid defensive manager. Now he's had almost a an entire preseason during this lockdown period to really prepare his team. And we're going to see a Tottenham that are properly under the mold of Mourinho. So I expect them to be much better coming forward. But but staying on point, Aston Villa was one of the relegation teams. I think they're going to struggle. Uh, Watford have lost one of their key players, Troy Deeney, because he doesn't want to play anymore. Uh, he's got a son who's five years old with asthma and he's refusing to play. We've got a couple of these players that are refusing to play because of this big pussies. And um, <laughs> they, they, um, they, they, they're not going to come back for their team. So Watford notoriously play worse without Troy Deeney, who's their captain. Uh, Aston Villa have a terrible running. So I do think they're teams that can get sucked in. Brighton as well. Brighton are a team who look like they're safe, but they were dropping a lot of points before we before we shut down for the lockdown period. And that's because they're a team that have been in the Premier League for so long and they installed a new manager. And the idea was, okay, we're established now and now we're going to play a different style of football because we've bored our fans to death for years and managed to stay in this league. So our finances are healthy. Now we want to play nice pretty football and nice attacking football. The thing is, is that they didn't invest in the personnel and Brighton isn't an, attract, isn't an attractive place to go to, to play football. It's a seaside town, which is a fairly nice place to live, but you're not going to attract the players that the big London clubs attract or all the top Manchester clubs, for example. So it's going to be difficult for Brighton to play this type of football and stay in the league. And they're a good outside shout for a team to go down because they're around about three to one to go down. So I think they could get sucked in. Um, as for West Ham and Bournemouth, I think they're two teams that could get out of it. I actually tip Bournemouth at even money to get out of this situation because you can bet on teams to stay up as well as betting on teams to actually go down. And you wouldn't believe it, Sean, but West, they blow blub bubbles before the game. You, you would love it. It's like, what do you mean? No, like bubbles, like bubble makers, you know, anyway, <laughs> you, you, you brought up some really good points, Billy. And, and, and to that point, uh, some of the teams you mentioned are, are actually facing off each uh, against each other. And one of those matchups, which is seems really, really relevant is that Aston Villa team facing relegation has the pedigree, has spent the money against the Sheffield Sheffield United, who kind of shocked the world came up. They run a little bit of a unique system and they've had a, a tremendously successful season. And while, while uh, perhaps this is an angle where you can look to maybe back the team that is more desperate, because as you pointed out, Sheffield United, while they are the, on the fringe of Europe's European soccer, that feels less likely. And if they fall back a little bit, th that could be that. So that maybe this is a motivation angle. This is one of the leftover games that's being played uh, this morning, probably as you listen to the show. 
Yeah, there's there's two games to play uh, because these four teams have played less. So they want to get these games in hand. They're called games in hand. They want to get them out of the way. And then the game weeks are all situated for everybody to play the, the equal amount of games remaining. But the game weeks are crazy as well because for television, because the television rights have been even across to the BBC. Now, the BBC are world famous, but they charge the UK citizens a licensing fee to get the channel. It's automatic. If you have a TV, you must pay the BBC for a TV license here in the UK. So we're forced to pay for it. And the complaint has always been that, well, they give you a pile of shit. Like, why do we pay for the BBC? It basically is just a news <laughs> channel with a couple of programs and, and some and a very limited amount of sports. So now they have put their hand in their pocket and bought some Premier League for the um, for the remainder of the season. And then also BT Sports, Amazon and Sky Sports are going to cover it. And um, most of these games are going to be on TV. So you're getting a crazy spread when we come back properly at the weekend, starting on Friday, all the way through to Monday, where Man City are going to play in the final televised game. And they get a bit of a break because they come, they just play on Wednesday as well. So they play on Wednesday and then they play on Monday. And then we go again on Tuesday. Immediately the next game week starts. So the EPL show is going to be me doing a show that's going to be out on Thursday, which is going to cover Friday's games. And then I'm going to drop another one on Monday because that's going to cover the games that start on Tuesday. It's going to be game after game after game to get these on TV, much like the the NFL format where we see stuff happening across Thursday uh, and then Sunday and then Monday as well. And even during the, during the day, those games are spread. Um, I, I think I would prefer NFL to just play on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday and Monday. That would be how I spread the <laughs> NFL week out. But that's yeah, I'm how down for it. That's how yeah, well, that's how the EPL is essentially going to be doing it. So speaking of uh the National Football League, your your Green Bay Packers kind of shocked the world drafting Jordan Love in the first round. As a Packer backer, <laughs> what do you uh what do you think of this Green Bay team? I mean, they made it to the NFC championship last year, 13 and 3, but everyone seems to predict them as a team that's going to regress uh, Rogers and LaFleur don't seem to be on the same page. Uh, how, how are you looking at their season so far going into 2020? I don't know what to, what to make of that move. Um, I don't know whether it's a step in a direction as to where we're going to change because when we got LaFleur, we got a, a we, we essentially bought in a guy who who's run the ball most of the time. Uh, who then inherited Aaron Rodgers. So when you have Aaron Rodgers, you don't just come in and, and play that. You don't just ignore the fact that you have him. But I don't know whether we're evolving and moving forward to a team that are going to start running the ball more in the future and have a more conservative quarterback. I'm not sure if that's the that's the idea or whether the idea is to kind of show Rodgers that you do run the team and that he doesn't run the team. It's just It's just very confusing until we actually come out until we actually get to the season and see how this plays out. Because, I mean, you can see Aaron Rodgers taking this as some kind of insult, coming out, playing out of his mind this season and turning around and saying, that's what I can do. Now let me get the fuck out of here. And then him not wanting to stay there. So I don't really know how this plays out as well. I think everybody is scratching their head. As for like massive regression, I don't think there's going to be massive regression because this is still a team that was just one game away from making the Super Bowl last year. So I still think that they'll be able to get out of the division and they will be playing in the uh, in the second half of the season. I don't think this is going to suddenly be a team that doesn't make the playoffs. 
But whether we are in another NFC Championship game or whatnot, I don't know. It just it just depends how the season plays out. Last year, nobody was talking about San Francisco, and they ended up being in in the Super Bowl. Nobody was touting them to be in the Super Bowl. So there's always teams that just break out of nowhere and, and go on a little run. But on on paper, we we're still among the top four teams in the NFC. So I'm not too worried about the massive regression. I'm worried about where we're going because as a Packers fan be it from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers. We're always used to being a quarterback team who are built around the quarterback. And I'm not really interested moving forward in us becoming a, a, a running team who have a conservative quarterback, much like um, how the San Francisco 49ers are built. Yeah, no, that, that, that makes sense. It, you're right. I mean, in the super bowl, they're always, it, it seems like we've come to a, a place where we have one team that's pretty chalk and then kind of another team. That's a little, uh, more surprising, a little bit more of a long shot. Can, can I, before we let Billy go, can I ask him because his, his boys, his Manchester United, they open the return, the return season against Jose Marino and Tottenham. As he was pointing out, this is a revenge spot. This is a, this is probably a worst case scenario. Is this not the easiest opportunity to back Tottenham? Um, on, on, on paper, they have a lot of players back and this is a team that got to the champions league final last year. But the thing is, is that man United were having their best period before the lockdown period, um, came about, uh, they, Bruno Fernandez came into the team. He was a missing piece of a jigsaw. He settled really quickly. The defense took a while to, to adjust, but Harry Maguire is coming there. Most expensive defender that we've, we've ever bought most expensive defender in the history of the premier league, even more expensive than Van Dyke. And he has come in. He's a future England captain and he's come in and he's done a very, very good job. He's already our captain. Um, and so behind our defense, we've got the hair. Uh, we've got two very good fullbacks. The back four is all now working together. We now do have that creative midfielder in Fernandez, but Scott McTominay's turning into a good defensive midfielder. And now during the, um, during the um, lockdown period, Paul Pogba has got himself fit and they're contemplating playing Fernandez and Pogba because I think you have to do that because if you don't, you have to let Pogba go and you have to go and get your 150 million for him. But the prospect of them playing together, if this is the motivated Paul Pogba that now sees that yes, finally all of not all of the hope is on my shoulders and I can be more free and I can just play. and I'm not carrying the weight of this team because originally he was the 80 million pound man who was single-handedly expected to rejuvenate man United from the dark days that we've dropped into uh, since we were winning everything under Alex Ferguson. So all of the owners was on Pogba. And now there's more pieces around him. And of course, Marcus Rashford's back as well. This is as strong as Manchester United have been, I believe since Alex Ferguson left. So I expect us to come back and be stronger or at least pick up from where we were. And if that's the case, then we, we shouldn't be losing to Tottenham. But at the same time, I don't see Tottenham as this big underdog that they're priced for in that game. They are being massively disrespected, but at the same time, again, uh, 51% away teams won in the Bundesliga. So you have to take that into consideration on a, on a neutral field. Man United are currently a better team than Tottenham. So there's, there's so much to factor into every single game. I'm still going to go down the route of handicapping each game individually in terms of, yes, I will take into consideration the neutralizing factors of having no crowd, but at the same time, we still have data that we've had to look at for between uh, different head to head matches between the teams, plus what they've done this season. One thing that I will warn people about though, 
And I've seen American cap, uh, American cappers on gambling Twitter, or at least wannabe cappers, as they claim to be. Um, <laughs> they're getting absolutely hammered on overs. They are getting hammered on the overs. They're just blindly taking overs. They're looking at all the statistics in the Bundesliga, and that was the both teams to score statistics and the over statistics. And they're seeing these over over teams come together, and they're just betting it. It's not worked out for them at all. It's also not worked out taking um, taking teams to hammer other teams as well. Like today, Barcelona played against Leganes and um, a lot of guys had Barcelona to to score a whole load of goals or for this thing to get massively over. Even I got sucked into an, an over for this game because Barcelona looked so impressive on the, on Saturday when they returned, but it, it didn't land. But I've been a lot more cautious um, in terms of taking overs than they have because they've blindly just taken overs, 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 overs. They've not moved away from their stats and they've gone home team, home team, home team, and they've been crushed. There isn't anybody that I've seen on Twitter who claims to be an expert soccer who's making any money. And that's why you have to subscribe to the Sports Gambling Podcast Network so you can get the Das Bundesliga show, you can get the EPL show, you can get the Champions League show, and most importantly, you can find out where to get all of other Billy, all of Billy's other stuff real quick to close the loop on it. That, that midfielder, that 150 million pound midfielder that Billy was referring to Paul Pogba. He is the cam Newton of the EPL. I needed to, I needed to do that oh, just no. for Sean. So <laughs> Sean will be on Tottenham this weekend for sure. All right, Billy appreciate it. As always, make sure to check him out on the sports gambling podcast, network feed, EPL show fight show. Lockbetting.com. Yeah. Thank you, Billy. And, and just and just to say that, just in terms of soccer, like it is one of those sports where uh, I know it's a very American thing to do. And this isn't a knock on on you guys <laughs> as 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 a company or or uh, sorry, not as a company, sorry, as a country. Um, you, it is a case of you run the numbers all the time. You just run numbers, run numbers, run numbers. But the eye test is so important in soccer and also looking at motivating factors as well. You need to actually do each game individually. You need to watch football. I always say it like that's one of the key things that I do. I'm, I'm actually somebody that would watch football anyway, regardless. I've been doing it since I was five years old. I have to watch, I have to watch the games. Yes. For the shows. And in terms of running a service where I'm giving out betting tips, but I'd be doing this anyway. I, I would, I enjoy doing it. I will watch as much soccer as I possibly can. I don't think your other cappers are doing it. And this isn't a blind sport where you just go in and, and run numbers for what they've done this year and what they've done against each other. If you're capping stuff like that and you're not doing, and you're not using your gut and you're not using your eyes, which are two of the most important things in soccer, you're going to get absolutely crushed to death. So I wouldn't be following anybody that's using just statistical data and isn't watching it and isn't sitting there during the games and giving you like rundowns and whatnot, because gut, your gut and your eyes is just so important. Let me recap this for everyone. Billy is the best. He's so good that Sean, a noted soccer hater (laughs) has allowed him to has allowed affiliation to Billy and his soccer know-how for over Sean, you wouldn't believe it. 2014, the two, oh the God. 2000, I think it was the 2014 world cup. Billy came on slayed it. He's been slaying it ever since. So again, yeah, subscribe love, to that I, podcast. He gives out. I mean, we there, it's funny because there's a couple fans who they get angry if Billy's podcast isn't on time. And it's just like every week there's winners. So I would, I would highly encourage you to subscribe, especially if you're new to the sport. Uh, and and most importantly, the most important thing about Billy and his uh, capping of the fit fancy sport of soccer, he has the proper accent to do it. So Jersey doesn't go with the pitch quite as nice as London. 
Let me just say one final thing as well. If you could guys could give me a follow, I have a new Twitter. Ooh. It's very easy to follow. Um, it's SGP EPL. Uh, the lockbang one is gone, and I'm not sure it's coming back. So I've been having this feud with this guy in the wrestling industry because it, it happened ever since we both had verified Twitter accounts and we're the only ver verified wrestling journalists. And he had a real <laughs> issue with that. And he's targeted me for a, a long time. And I gave him the rope to hang me with a few years ago when I talked negatively about women's wrestling. And he launched this whole tirade and campaign against me where I was portrayed as a sexist and whatnot. And if you can get enough complaints against you on Twitter, they will take down your account. And uh, when I resurfaced on Twitter, and I was quietly sitting there for three years just doing gambling. But recently, I've taken on a new job on the wrestling front where I'm doing a show with Rince Russo. And Rince Russo is the guy that wrote all of the good the good wrestling that you guys liked in the late 90s with Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock and Undertaker, Kane, Mankind. He was writing all that stuff. It was all coming from his mind. So he's very, very well known in the wrestling industry. And I'm doing a show with him. So this put me very much back on the map in terms of I was on there promoting all of my Twitter, thinking I was going to get all of this business from these thousands of people that I could convert into gamblers to win money betting on wrestling at least. And it just um, made him aware of the fact that I was there on a different account and he immediately got it deleted. So very, very quietly, this is the account at SGP EPL. Shh. I'm not going to be talking about this account at all in front of these wrestling losers. Um, <laughs> so... I'm just going to go there, do my wrestling show, and I'm going to promote my wrestling Instagram instead. I've got a wrestling Instagram, which is going to be completely safe. <laughs> I've never done anything wrong with Instagram. And my gambling stuff, because I need to be on there. I need to be on gambling Twitter. It's going to be SGP EPL. So easy. So sports gambling podcast. At, S at SGP EPL. Again. Give it a follow. Support Billy Bahate, fellow gut handicapper. Billy, appreciate it as always. And before we move over to uh, Steve Shermer and our uh, RBC Heritage preview, Kramer, want to give a shout out to Cushy Dreams. That's right. Cushy Dreams, you're living that CBD life, Kramer. Cushy Dreams, smokable CBD. They got a, a bunch of great uh, CBD pre rolls, creative. I like Kramer, you're a big peace guy. And they have a smokable CBD flower, completely legal, all 50 states. All you got to do is go to cushydreams.com, K U S H Y dreams.com. Use the promo code SGP 15% off. That's right. Cushydreams.com, promo code SGP for 15% off. Smoke your CBD because you can. Uh, I was hoping you'd throw it to me. Oh, okay. Now. Sorry. I, I thought you were going to smoke your CBD because you can. Joining us on the line, golf expert for SGPN, Steve Shermer. Steve. How excited are you that golf's officially back? Oh, I'm over the moon. I mean, you know, there's been NASCAR on that I've tried to, you know, that's kind of held my attention. There's Korean baseball early in the morning, but golf is just, that's my bread and butter. You know, it was so good to see the guys out there last week and you know, it was an incredible leaderboard. There's a lot of top names out there and uh, it's just, it, it's great to have it back. Well, and, and, and we're doing this uh, podcast. Normally we don't do a podcast breaking down the RBC heritage, but with the limited slate of sports, the and these guys with that delay, it seems like you just said the big names are coming back. So, in a weird way, these almost feel like mini majors. And unlike those prima donnas in baseball, the <laughs> golfers are like, "We will play." Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, I mean, we could do another twenty minutes on golf on uh, on baseball. I was ready to watch baseball. They just 
I like I can't tell you how many how little amount of baseball I've watched and these pig-headed just idiots can't figure out you could dominate the summer. People could fall in love. It could be bigger than McGuire Sosa for the sport and they're like, "Eh, we don't want to get a bad deal." And Steve, you know things have gotten bad when Sean is excited for the <laughs> return of the EPL. So, yes, we're talking EPL on this podcast as well, but Steve's on the line. We're talking RBC Heritage. So give us a little course breakdown tips. What, what kind of golfers it favors? Sure. So Harbor town was built in 1967. It's a Pete Dye golf course. So, you know, you typically see a Pete Dye golf course in TPC sawgrass. Uh, there's a couple other ones on the tour, but they're mostly known, you know, Pete Dye tried to set up a golf course to make it as hard as possible. And to basically just make it like three hours in a, in a dental chair. You know, he has little nuances about the golf courses that just drives you nuts. So the one thing about Harbor town is it's a very tight golf course. There's a lot of trees everywhere. Now it's, it's, it's a popular golf course for a lot of, uh, you know, the public because, um, you know, it's not overly long. The bunkers aren't very shallow. It's actually a perfect golf course for one of those old guys who just hits the ball straight every time. Yeah. But sounds like, sounds like it'd be good for me where I've just given up on hitting my driver <laughs> and I I'm hitting three wood off the tee. I've just said, you know what? I can't hit the driver straight. It's not worth it. I'll lose the 15 yards and just hit a three wood down the middle and, and kind of enjoy golf more. And that's exactly if you have a slice or, you know, if, if you have trouble off the tee, this is definitely not the golf course for you. You're going to lose a lot of balls, but um, overall, um, you know, one of the things we saw last week, because it was interesting how they set up the schedule with the return of the PGA tour, you had two similar golf courses that favored a certain skill set. It was mostly favored some shorter hitters. Some guys who were a little more accurate, a little better with irons. And what we saw last week was when you got, have a really strong field with long and straight hitters, they can just bomb it over all the trouble on a golf course. And that's what we saw last week at colonial. Now this week with the position of the holes and how just, I mean, if you, if you, when you watch this tournament on, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you're going to see immediately. You cannot take those aggressive lines like they did last week. Um, it's going to demand a lot more accuracy than did last week. A lot of guys, you're not gonna be able to take driver. You're going to have to take your medicine, lay up off the tee and basically play it as Pete Dodd des, you know, designed it. So um, I think this tournament, well, I'm not, I'm not saying that it's not going to have a big stacked leaderboard. Like last week, guys aren't going to be able to dictate um, how the golf course plays. They're going to have to play it as is. Yeah. And, and when I was looking to put together my lineup and some of the picks, I, I read your article, I got keyed into that fact. So I looked to driving accuracy and, and strokes gained on the green. Cause that to me <laughs> is kind of, is kind of the formula for potentially a winning lineup. If you're watching this on YouTube, you may be asking yourself, why do we have a photo of Bryson DeChambeau uh, flexing? Now, Steve, you, you really uh, did us a great service. You, you turned us on to this 15 minute video of that Bryson put out and video is selling it short. It's almost like a, a, a silent film. Uh, there's no dialogue in it. It's just 15 minutes of different B roll of what Bryson did in the, <laughs> in his quarantine. It's one of the unintentionally funniest things I've, I've seen in a long time. And just it, like motivational quotes will flash up and it's just him 
being cool, driving his Bentley. And then a lot of workout scenes. I, I just saw how he said, like, I read that little blurb where it's like, it's all about the, the, the business and the body in the quarantine or whatever. <laughs> I was like, Jesus. So what, what, uh, Deshambeau, walk us through this. He's had a crazy transformation <laughs> coming off a good week. What's in store for his future? Well, I mean, for, I mean, can I just touch on this video first? Oh, yeah, because please. I mean, when, when I watch this thing, first of all, after, I mean, I, I've watched it probably 10 times and I can't just stop laughing at the whole thing. It is <laughs> the most self-serving egomaniacal thing I have ever seen, it's but, really great. but, but after I watch it, I'm I'm wondering what purpose does it serve? What does he want you to know? And I think there's three things. There's three main takeaways from this video. Number one, he wants you to know that he has abs and that's a direct shot actually at Brooks <laughs> Kepka because uh, I, did you guys know that he, he does a Twitch channel where he plays Fortnite? Oh, I didn't. So he, I, I've, a couple of bloggers, um, you know, they basically camped out and watched, uh, you know, him play Fortnite, which I mean, I kind of want to blow my brains out if that's like, you know, if I had that job, but was, uh, one of his, uh, Twitch followers asked him about Brooks Kepka and the body issue and Bro and Bryson made a comment of, Oh, you know, Brooks doesn't have abs. You know, I have abs. <laughs> so, and, and, and a minute into the video, you see him shirtless walking into the kitchen and just cooking this big giant slab of bacon, which I mean, I can't imagine he's going to have abs a lot longer if he's eating an entire slab of bacon with all that, you know, trans fat and grease in the pan there. So that's takeaway. Number one, he wants you to know that he has abs. Number two, he wants you to know that not only is, this, is he big and strong, he's also a graceful athlete because he can walk on a tightrope. You know, I mean, it's, it, it, I, I think he just, he wants you to know that he's, uh, you know, more than just this muscle bound guy. And number three, the most important thing to take away from this video is he wants you to know that he, it looks like he went to a foreclosure auction for a local gym and just bought all of the machines. And then for the last four months, all he's been doing is just lat pull downs and just, you know, hammer curls. And, you know, maybe it's a message to all those bullies in high school that stuff in the locker that he's big and huge now. Well, well and I, 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 if you look at the photo, like the photo itself paints a great picture of a guy who clearly had no idea what a gym was ordered a bunch of gym equipment as you state. And then when the guy showed up, he's like, uh, I guess you just, just roll it all in the garage. And he's <laughs> very, started, very cluttered. He's put it on. It's just, like someone sent him some free shit. He's like, oh, I guess I should use this. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's a lot of product placement and just him I, going for drives. And in the sure, it sounds like we should be reaching out as now that we're uh, colleagues on Twitch together, oh, you yeah, know, for new, sure. he's probably new to the casting life. He might need some <laughs> tips from us. He's a fellow sim Hashtag god. Sim god. Uh, so well, yeah, as far as his game, do, <laughs> do you think uh, do you think he'll hold up this week? Well, I mean, so so what I mentioned earlier was guys aren't going to be able to bomb and gouge Harbor Town like they did last week, and that's mostly a direct reference to Bryson. <laughs> I mean, he 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 was. I mean, he broke Colonial. Go country club. That, that is not how the golf course is supposed to be played. But when you hit it as long and straight as he does, th there are very few golf courses that can provide enough defenses against that. But Harbor town's one of those things. Um, he can't, the tee box is very claustrophobic. There's a lot of trees. He's not going to be able to hit it over dog legs. He's going to have to dial back with an iron and basically just 
set himself out for the second shot. Now, the one thing about this whole body transformation that has been surprising is you've seen guys chase distance before and they tend to lose skill sets in other parts of their game, but that hasn't really happened with Bryson. He's still an awesome iron player. He's still a really good putter. So, I mean, I don't want to doubt that um, he can't perform well at this tournament, but if he thinks he's going to take the same approach as a colonial, he has another thing coming. He's going to have to make some adjustments within the game, which he probably can do. He, he's a very smart player. And while I'm tempering my expectations a little bit for him this week, it wouldn't surprise me if he proves everybody wrong, just as he's proved everybody wrong for the last five months. Sean. Yes. You know, the theme with my draft King lineups, when it comes to golf is all about that drip drip. This guy is super wet. He's I, extra I, drippy and real quick, you know, I was reading a little bit about how he was focusing on his body because of course we all should Sean. It's our, it's our own temple. And it made me think this guy's not, if he's maintaining the flexibility to swing a golf club with hand, with arm cannons like that, cause he, he's starting to look more like one of those long drive guys. So I got to imagine he's working in some yoga. He's working in some Pilates. He's working in some things that maybe he didn't show on that hype reel. <laughs> that might be a little embarrassing, but it's core uh, strength. That's how you get those abs. I, I, I don't see how you, I don't see how the drip squad is going to go without Mr. Bryson this week, but we'll get to that. Well, uh, real quick, before we start putting together a, a little uh, DFS lineup, Rory, he was in the mix. He, he's it was funny because I, I don't know how many years ago it was he kind of had that little bit of a run and everyone's like he's the next tiger look out Rory's Rory's the guy and and it, the hype really he he kind of hasn't lived up to the hype he's had some good performances but certainly not like the dominant next guy that he was kind of heralded early on uh, he was in the mix last week and then kind of fell apart do you think he recovers this week I don't know there's something going on with him and that's in his late weekend collapses are kind of becoming a little bit of a pattern, which is weird that I'm criticizing Rory because I mean, all his ball striking numbers are great. And he's won. Yeah. I think he won three times last year and he's world number one by a mile, I think so. But it's strange that we have this perspective of Rory as this guy who just can't close. Like I remember looking last week, he was three back going to the final round and his odds before Sunday was 14 to one. And I, on one hand, I'm like, well, I've seen Rory shoot a 62 on Sunday um, and light the field up. He did that last year at the RBC Canadian open, but I just had no inkling to bet it because I just, I didn't have any faith that he would actually show up. And he didn't, he didn't, he fired a, a final round 75. And that's been a little bit of a pattern for him this year. He was in the mix of the Arnold Palmer uh, before the COVID break. And he had a similar bad round on, uh, on Sunday, he was in the mix of the Genesis had a pretty subpar round there too. Last year, the WGC FedEx in the final group and Brooks just completely took him to the, you know, the woodshed. Um, it's just, you gotta wonder, like maybe he has, he achieved maybe everything he wanted in golf. I mean, he's won four, he won four majors. He achieved so much success early on his career, does he have that edge still to really be this killer that I think we all want him to be because in this generation of golfers in this decade, you're right. He's been probably the only guy that we've seen that can touch, you know, tiger's dominance. Just, you know, you get on this massive hot streak, you know, tournament after tournament after tournament. So I don't know. I mean, Harbor town is not really a golf course for him. Kind of like, you know, with 
what I said about Bryson, you know, when you take the driver away from Rory, it, um, you know, when you ask him to dial it back off the tee, he's not as strong, but he's 11 to one this week. I just, I, I don't have any desire really to, Sean, you know, play him at all. Yeah. How old would you say Rory is? That's a great question. Off the top of my head, I would say 26, 31. Wow. Turned okay. professional 2007. And, and I think a lot of what we speak of him is unfortunately because he, you know, it's always bad to be the guy who follows the guy. And honestly, the fact that tiger was so dominant for so long, really bit some of these guys in the ass. Cause if you look at how dominant Rory was for the period he was, and, and as you point out, he's still a number one, he had a great season last year and yet we want someone to be like tiger. And I think it's a product of the fact that everyone works out. Everyone is more dialed in like tiger just hit the sweet spot. He was great. He came into the league at a time where he had a physical advantage. He worked harder. And now I think we're, we're measuring everyone up against that. And, and, and it blew my mind when I saw how old Rory was. Cause I was like, God damn, I'm getting old because I remember when he was the next guy yeah. and then it was Jordan Spieth, <laughs> and then it was Brooks. And I think the reality of this situation is golf's fucking hard and tiger might be the greatest player we, we will ever see because of his, the time he was dominant, dominant and the, the, the how fact long too. The fact that he was winning golf tournaments by you know dozens of strokes, like just anyway, I think unfortunately, I know you have a, you you have a special spot in your heart for Rory. Yeah, you share a lot of things. You share your heritage of being <laughs> Irish. You share your uh, height of being one point seven five meters, and, uh, and and most importantly, you both lived in Hollywood. Did you know he Ooh, lives yes. in Hollywood, Northern Ireland? Well, and he's Northern Hollywood no, actually, but Northern Ireland, which is kind of the bad Ireland. Uh, as I <laughs> anyway. like to point out on the golf podcast. All right, Steve, let's get to it. Let's start putting together a DFS lineup. Uh, we'll let you uh, kick things off. Who, who are you going with first here? All right. Well, my first guy is someone that I write about a lot. You know, mostly because I love his game, but he also plays in almost every single tournament every single week. And that's Sung J M at $9,700. Uh, he does a little bit of everything well. Um, he has a really good combination of length and accuracy off the tees, a good scrambler, a really good putter, really good iron player. Those are all really good combinations at Harbor Town. Uh, he came back from the COVID break last uh, week. Looks like he didn't miss a beat. Very quietly had a top ten finish. Would put up some really good ball striking numbers. So, I, uh, you know, a lot of similar attributes that you like to Colonial, you're gonna like at Harbor Town. So I'll start my lineup with him. Ninety seven hundred, Kramer. What are you doing? Well, I, I'm just leaving no surprise. Let's start <laughs> the drip squad. Is going to start with the drippiest drip in the moment, and Bryson. that's the man who spent social distancing. He spent the quarantine focusing on his business and his body. And unfortunately for me and the Kramer gang, our business is his body. Yeah, I'm gonna. I, I, I of course I was gonna start with him. Look at that picture. Deshaun. He doesn't even know how to flex right. That's the funniest part. That is a weird flex. He's uh, he's ten thousand seven hundred. I was very proud of myself because Steve has not put out any is uh, any picks yet on the pod <laughs> on the on sportsgamblingpodcast.com yet officially and I have Sung J M as well 9700 very tight efficient game and uh coming off a 10th place finish shot a 67 the last round that's that's what I want a guy like hang he, I think he got 10th right within striking distance 9700 great value I'm I'm you don't have to sell me on the Koreans you know Steve, what's your second guy? Who's your second all guy? Right, my, 
All right. My second guy is someone who was really in the weeds for a long time. And he made an equipment change, uh, over the, uh, the COVID break. And he came back, uh, last week, colonial and was awesome. And that's Justin Rose at $9,200. I love what I saw with, uh, the tailor mates back in his bag. Uh, he had his best ball striking week since the farmer's insurance opened last year, which was his last win. And that was actually the first week of that deal we had with Hanma and the way he played, uh, last week after ditching the Hanma clubs, I don't know anybody who would want to actually buy those clubs ever again. <laughs> I mean, I mean, he was awful for a solid year. So, uh, you know, Harbor town's a ball strikers course. If what he showed last week at colonial was legit, he definitely should be in the mix to, uh, uh, get back in the winner's circle. Love it. Kramer. What are you doing? Who's your second guy? I'm going, I'm going, I'm all over the place, not in any sort of order, but I've been told by my, my people, Sean, now that, now that the Kramer gang is growing, I have people. And I've been told that Mr. Hatton hailing from England has been hot, 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 hot. So I saw he was actually one of the last guys I filled into my roster sitting at 8,000. Uh, I, I know not much more than as you, as you heard with my first pick, this is all about the drip. So I want guys in good form and I fancy his current form, Sean. I'm tr- I'm scrambling trying to find my notes. Was it the Yes, the Arnold Palmer he won. Is that correct, Steve? So Yeah. Hot hot hot. Let's go. Mr. Hatton 8 grand. I'm cashing this weekend. All right. Next up I got a guy for $9500. Give me Hideki Matsuyama. Okay. You told me you didn't see color, Sean. <laughs> this guy maybe maybe there is a uh, possible trend here in my lineup. But uh, I think he was playing pretty well prior to things uh, closing down. He got second place in the Zozo Championship, tied for third in the CJ Cup at Nine Bridges, uh, tied for fifth at the Genesis Invitational. Uh, he's coming back. I, I I trust a guy like Hideki. His game fits <laughs> as well. And as far as a guy who was probably you know doing stuff in quarantine and won't come back really rusty because I think this is his first event after. The break. Uh, I think Hideki is one of those guys. Ninety five hundred. Lock me up for Matsuyama. Can, can I ask Steve a question? D- is it does this guy just disappoint? Like he's the guy you take when non majors are here, but he just disappoints most of the time. Like uh, his price point is crazy. Yeah, I mean the thing with Matsuyama is he's so good until you get to the green, and then once you get to the green, he is one of the worst players on tour. I mean, he, I, and especially on Bermuda grass greens, like they had this week, he is particularly bad. So I was tempted to go with him just because of how good of a ball striker he is and how important that is at Harbor town. But just, I've been burned so many times by him in the past that I just, he, he he's got some repairing he needs to do to my heart before I pick him again. So, uh, I mean, who, I mean, maybe he used the COVID break to be a little better putter, but I, I, I need to kind of see it first before I'm ready to start jumping in on him. Who's your, who's your next guy there, Steve? Well, my next guy is a guy who disappointed pretty much the entire golf DFS world last week. He was, I think the chalkiest play on the board. Um, and that's Webb Simpson at $9,000. It was a really uncharacteristically bad performance for Webb. You know, you think about a guy like Webb Simpson, he's a good iron player, a good putter, and he lost multiple strokes 
um, in those two areas over his first two rounds before missing the cut. He was a little better on Friday. Um, and I think he's going to bounce back this week just because, you know, there's, you expect a little bit of regression to the mean and Harbor town is basically a golf course built for him. You know, it, it really depends, you know, it relies on accuracy, good iron playing, good putting. So, um, I don't know if, I don't think he's going to win this week, but I think he's going to have a much better showing and be pretty useful for a DFS lineup. Kramer, what are, what are you doing here? I mean, I just now, you know what I like to do, right? After I get some drippy guys, I go for guys who just know the course, right? And course I think knowledge. Hashtag. Steve Shermer, AKA part of the all rise Joe judge gang. <laughs> uh, he's going to agree with me that Matt Kuchar knows how to get around this course. And at the price point of 8,300, again, Cooch. you're, you're going to see a lineup. I didn't, I didn't punt anyone. So Matt Kuchar, and you know, what's funny here. He has, he lacks drip so badly. I think he has drip. So Matt mm. Kuchar, Brent, come aboard. We're gonna we're gonna make forehead tan sexy again, Sean. <laughs> He's gonna be dripping out on Sunday. Matt Kuchar. Matt Kuch. I, it is fun to just say Kuch. I also took uh, Webb Simpson, and I'll steal all of uh, Steve's all right. reasons you for nine thousand. You can't 9, copy 000. Steve as he's giving out. <laughs> no, this, this was already already put together. It's a Webb, and and possibly it was from reading his article. I think you may have already. Hinted at uh, like in Webb Simpson uh, to, to, have a, to have a good round, only nine thousand. I, I think there's some value there. Give me Webb Simpson. A bounce back spot for my boy Webb. Who's your Who's your fourth golfer there, Steve? All right, my fourth guy is probably going to be someone who's pretty popular this week, but um, just based on his form last week and before the COVID break, and just overall, you know, the type of player he is. Uh, I'll go with him anyway. And that's Joel Damon at $7,500. Uh, he had, he had great ball striking numbers, uh, before the COVID break and last week too, he picked right off where, uh, right where he left off. He's an accurate player. He's a pretty good putter, good iron player. Scrambling is a little bit of an issue for him, but if he's as good at, with his irons, um, as he has been, he's not going to miss a lot of greens. So he's been cranking out top twenties pretty much all season long. And I don't really see that ending this week. So I'll take him like it. Kramer, what are you doing? My next pick once again, I'm digging in the number. I'm trying to find a guy. I don't know anything about this guy's drip, but I saw a guy, you know what I did? I, I heard, I heard, I saw with Steve's words about this course and how the driving distance is not going to be a valuable thing. So I said, well, what if I sorted the other way? What if I said, give me the shortest drivers mm. and find some accurate guys, uh, Steve Abraham answer. I'm digging deep <laughs> and I'll tell you what I just Googled this guy. I just Googled this guy for the first time ever. And while he doesn't appear to be a guy with much drip, Dangerously low levels of drip. There is a picture of him standing next to Tiger, looking equally as stoic. So I'm gonna assume if you can look like Tiger, you can act like Tiger. Drip on, my friend. Abraham answer. And I, I think I pronounced that right. And I believe his price point was eight thousand. All right. Can, I, can I say I'm yes. sorry, can yeah, I say yeah. one thing about answer? Shit on it. Shit on it. No, I'm not going to shit. Yes. I love the player. I, I, I think he's a. I, th I think he's a great pick this week. What I'm going to say though is, if you were watching the coverage last week, they had. You know, did you know this? You saw the confessionals that they had. They had the microphone <laughs> where players just got in front. So they showed Tony Finau talking question, and I think he's like six two, six three. He's, he's a tall guy, 
And then they went to Abe answer afterwards. And I think he's like two feet shorter. He oh my God. barely got up to the microphone. He is a short guy, but oh um, no, five, seven. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, I mean, he's actually a little longer than you think, but he, he, he's a very accurate driver, good iron player. He struggles a little bit on Bermuda greens, but um, you know, he, he's got a rolling right now. So I like the pick. All right. Five, seven, Sean. It's yeah. got to feel good. You tower over that oh, guy. Dude, I dominated him. <laughs> $7,500. Give me Joel. Uh, how'd you, David? No, I'm kidding. I do have a guy for $7,500. This man, I, I think he's, he's helped me uh, a number of times when I played him at the right spots. Give me bang hoon on beyond hoon on, or as I just call him beyond. <laughs> It's very simple. Strokes gained around the green in 2019. There's one man who dominated that's on. He's only $7,500. I think his putting will come up huge here. Uh, didn't have an amazing uh, effort tied for 60th in the Charles Schwab challenge, but uh, he had, uh, you know, he had some issues, a little inaccuracy off the green. So that's or off the tee. So that's a little dangerous, but I think the putting is going to save him. And, and I, I think it's worth the risk at 7,500. Steve, am I crazy for playing on here? No, because my next pick is also beyond. Oh my gonna, God. But, so now Steve's copying me, but, but I'm going to more articulately explain <laughs> why he should be a good pick this week. Okay. So yeah. So you actually have it all wrong. It's all his right. putter. It, so it's his putter that's awful that usually holds him down. Oh, he's really? normally one. Yeah, he's normally uh, he's one of the worst putters on tour. I mean, he's he's exactly like Hideki Matsuyama, just <laughs> great ball striker. But once you get him on the greens, he he is. You have no idea what you're going to get from him. Well, so then, now, real, la- real quick, what does strokes gained around the green mean? Is that not good putting, or is that so is that is that chipping that's, then? That's chipping and scrambling. <laughs> yeah, see, that's what I meant. <laughs> yeah, that's so, what I meant. So, so that's an interesting comment. So last week he had a horrific ball striking week and he was horrific around the greens too. And that's really uncharacteristic for a guy like Byung Han Um, I think that's going to reverse course this week. I think that's going to regress a little bit to the mean. Now the putting well, while I said with Hideki that he's not very good on Bermuda greens, I mean, Ben on is a terrible putter, but when he is competent, it's usually on Bermuda. So I'm going to, gamble a little bit and hope that maybe he can find a little magic on a, a putting surface. He's a little more comfortable on. So, and I think at the, that price point there, there's a lot of other chalky plays around, you know, that high to mid seven thousands. And that's a nice, I think contrarian play just based on how we did last week. Kramer. Now that, now that my pick has been vindicated by Steve, what are you doing? Well, again, questionable drip here. Game matches. He's a bit old. Jim Fjork, seventy one hundred. I would imagine his game matches this course based on what I remember of Jim Fjork. And uh, you know, again, seventy one hundred. I didn't want to have to dabble in the six thousands this this go about. And so I, 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 I this is my cheapest guy. I, I don't really have much else to sell. I, also, right? I had to fill out the roster. I here. also had uh, Jim Furyk. We we mentioned oh. how, or I think so. You're copying me and Steve. S- Steve had it up there at the top. It's perfect for those old guys. And uh, Jim Furyk, not super old, but 50 years old. And maybe this is the distance isn't now, there, but the accuracy, the tightness can help him uh, carry I, a decent I, score. I did want to ask 
Steve a question because I had a potential fill in who I think may have a bit more drip and maybe fit the squad a bit more. And that's a guy by the name of Gooch. Uh, also, also matches up with Cooch. Gooch Taylor Gooch. Gooch. Taylor Gooch. I mean, he had a little bit of a run last year. Um, he had a pretty, he, I think he's thrown together like three or four really nice ball striking tournaments in a row. He's kind of irrelevant now. So <laughs> no, I, 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 I mean, he's not, he's not gonna be very highly. Um, so <laughs> I, 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 I like the play of Fury better than no, I, I just saw the Gooch name and it felt, felt like it went with the drip squad. All right, Steve, who's your, who's your last guy to round out to your RBC heritage squad here? All right. Well, I, I agreed with Kramer, just the fact that I didn't want to dip into the six thousands either, just cause I, I looked at who's down there and I didn't really like what I saw. So my last guy is someone who I liked last week at colonial. He's starting to kind of find his sea legs on his rookie year on the PGA tour. And that's Maverick McNeely at $7,100. Uh, he's a little bit like Sung Jae in the fact he does a lot of things, pretty much everything really well. You know, he's, he has a nice combination of length and accuracy off the tee, good iron player, pretty good putter. So, uh, you know, he, um, he had a good showing colonial last week. I think he was top 30, uh, on the leaderboard. I think he can have another solid performance at Harbor town. Sure. Uh, last guy, this is another in the same vein of Matt Kuchar, another guy who's had some success on the course and that's Ian Poulter. Um, again, uh, you, you know, if you look at my roster, typically I go with the couple big guys and just fill it out. This time, one big guy, one of the biggest guys, <laughs> long to lead Gosh. the drip squad. After that, Sean, 8,800, 8,700, 7,600. I left 300 on the table. I'm ready to cash that million. I'm ready to join the ranks of you. It's DFS great, great, legends. Great DFS players. Kramer, my final guy. And uh, if you if you Google a photo of him, I, I don't know how he didn't uh, how he didn't have uh, on this guy earlier. He's kind of like if Eli Manning had a mop top and just a big smile, and his name's Bud Bud Cauley, seventy two hundred dollars, coming off a uh, what do you had two under six uh, sixty eight, got twenty ninth place in the uh, Charles Schwab Challenge. But again, the main reason I picked him was I went to the two thousand nineteen stats. Strokes gained around the green, which, as we know, is chipping and scrambling ability. <laughs> he was second behind my boy B Hun on, and so a Bud Cauley at seventy two hundred dollars felt like the right time to hop on the Bud train. And this guy just seems like a lot of fun, a fun guy to root for. His name's Bud. How could you not want to root for a Bud in a golf event? Steve, am I crazy? Is Bud <laughs> is Bud awesome? No, I mean, I uh, so um, I think my picks column is going to drop probably tonight or tomorrow. Um, I listed out a couple guys you might want to consider for a top 20 prop. And he was one of those guys. Um, you know, he stood out, he stood out in my stats database there of, uh, the prototypical type of player who would do well at Harbor town. Uh, he had a decent week last week. So, uh, he's definitely on my radar. Love it. Let's, uh, yeah, let's close things out. What do you maybe uh, throw in like a, a, a lower uh, value guy to win it all, and maybe a couple props. What 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 what's jumping out at you right now over at mybookie.ag? So, I, like I said, my picks column is going to come out probably tonight or tomorrow. So, if you want the full gamut of everything I like, you can go check it out. But um, one guy we didn't really talk about tonight, as far as one of the big favorites. Uh, again, he underachieved last week, but it wasn't quite as bad 
as what people have made it out to be. And that's John Rahm at 18 to one. That's actually a really good price for a guy of his caliber. A lot of people think he's just a bomber, but it's very versatile player. He's won on all different types of golf courses around the world. Uh, he's won on links golf courses. He won. He's won on bombers courses. He's won on these narrow, tight, tree lined Spanish golf courses, which kind of remind me a little bit of Harbor Town this week. So, uh, I think he's a little underpriced this week, and I don't think he's going to be affected all that much by dialing back off the tee. Um, as far as a longer. Uh, real quick, Steve, real quick before you get to that, I was actually trolling around the first round leader mm. props. And I noticed John Rahm was one of the guys he's very, still one of the favorites, but 33 to one to lead after the first round. that also allows you to maybe uh, mitigate some of his, you know, I'm too fat. I can't make it through 72 <laughs> hole problems that he's had in the past. Uh, but yeah, no, I, 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 I again, in general, I wanted to kind of uh, hijack Steve for a second because these first, the first round props in general, like the overall leader, 22 to one. So the, 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 the favorite is 22 to one. It seems like there could be some value there. Do you ever dabble in the first round leader market? Honestly, I mean, too, I var- too much little, variance. Yeah. I dabbled a little bit with just last week with Jordan Spieth, just, and just on a gut hunch. And I mean, he played well in his opening round, but golf is there's so much variance in golf that I mean, you're going to end up seeing a guy who is maybe like 150 to one to 201 to win the tournament just gets out to a hot start there. I mean, there's really no rhyme or reason to guys who got the hot starts or not. Um, so I don't typically uh, dabble in it, but I mean, I well, think well, uh, real quick to uh, cut you off there just for a second. First round leader, my play for first round leader. Jim Furyk at a hundred to one. <laughs> Again, it's kind of crazy, but I I think we've seen this before. Where old guys they wake up, it's Thursday, their backs backs not bothering them. They don't they don't have they haven't played three days in a row, and maybe he'll falter as the tour goes, uh, as, you know, as the event goes on. But I think that round one leader, we see the crafty old guys kind of sometimes pull it out and and jump out to that crazy lead. Yeah, sometimes. And sometimes it also depends too on if they have a favorable tea time. Like, yeah. I mean, if, if a good place, if you want to do a first round leader prop would be some of the place like the open championship, where if a certain draw of the tea times gets a lot of wind, you can maybe cut the field in half at that point and then focus on guys, you know, in a more favorable draw. But uh, I mean, otherwise it's, it's, it's basically Russian roulette <laughs> that those, those props. <laughs> Um, so, uh, a longer shot that I liked is a guy named Christian Bezadenhout. He's 120 to one. Uh, I mean, he's not very well known on the PGA tour. He mostly plays on the European tour. Um, I mentioned that John Ron plays well on these Spanish golf courses. Um, Christian Bezayden who won a golf tournament at a place called Valderrama over in Spain, uh, last year, that's another tree line golf course, very tight. You know, it's less than driver. Um, he played pretty well over in the United States, uh, in his debut on the PGA tour before the COVID break. Uh, he had a good ball striking week last week. Didn't putt so well, but, um, when he was down in Florida playing those tournaments, he putted pretty well on the Bermuda surface. So, you know, he might be a guy that surprises on the leaderboard um, at the end of the weekend. And then as far as a prop goes, uh, I'm going to go to a matchup prop. I already mentioned Joel Damon as a guy I like this week. You, over on my bookie, you can get him at minus one thirty over Jason Day. Mm. Uh, I I don't know if Jason Day 
really wants to play golf anymore. He seems <laughs> totally unmotivated ever since he won that major and got the world number one. I, there was always some questions. There's been stories written about him in his childhood about how motivated he is, whether maybe he won his major and got to world number one. And that's, that's all that's good enough for him. I mean, for a guy of all that natural talent, he has become a really bad ball striker, especially with his irons. And he was really skating by for a couple of years with his putter. And that's not as good as what he used to be. So that's a bad combination for Harbor town. Uh, I like Joel Damon over Jason day. And that might be a prop that wraps up uh, by the end of Friday. Like it. We like that cash in pocket, Sean. Indeed. Kramer throw out some, uh, throw out some winners for the people. All right. Well, that's what I do. I just uh, refreshed my page, but what I can tell you is one of the things I really enjoyed was I, I went over the 10, the top 10 market. Cause I, I, I feel like sometimes when you like, it's like if you, the guys you like in DFS that aren't going to win the tourney, but they're going to score. Well, maybe they can squeak into the top 10, top 20. So one of the guys I wanted to play both guys on the course angle, both Poulter and Matt Kuchar in, in either top 10 or top 20 markets. Kuchar is four to one in the top 10 market. Poulter is seven to one in the top 10 market. And then if you look at the top 20 market, Kuchar is, I believe like minus or plus plus one seventy five, and Poulter is plus two seventy. So I, you know, of course, familiarity making the cut, things like that. If you're, if you want to, I've had some fun with these kind of playing my DFS lineup in these top 20 markets. Uh, Cause you can actually get that partial return as far as a winner, Sean. Yes. You want me to, to, to hit bombs like Mr. Mickelson, or you want me to get, throw out some chalk for the, the crowd? Because I, uh, throw, I out, throw out one kind of like chalk you're playing and then throw out like the super long. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to re reboot. I'll, I'll give out Kucher as a guy. Cause he's 40 to one. I think it's a good range, uh, but no, I'm going to, I'm going to roll. I'm going to roll some, some coin on my man, Bryson. I understand he's people are saying he's going to be disappointed this shit this week. I understand <laughs> that. I understand people are coming after him now. Cause he's got the abs. He's got the guns, but listen, what, what state are they in? They're South in uh, Carolina. South Carolina, South Carolina. South Carolina, I believe you can carry, you can legally carry <laughs> guns like that. So he I'm going he doesn't need a with permit. my man, Bryson 14 to one is the favorite Kurt K Matt Kuchar at 40 to one is going to be my like middle tier guy. And I'm going to throw out Tyler Hatton 50 to one as another guy. I'd probably throw a third guy in there too. If you want to take Poulter, I'll ride with that same angle, but you know, spread, spread, maybe a third unit across those three guys. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to bet more on the top 10 and top 20 market this, this year or this week, Sean, I, I, because well, in general, this year too, because I feel like the past couple or last weekend, I did a little of that. I didn't, I barely watched the tournament itself, but when I went and looked, I was like, oh, I cashed some of these. It wasn't like you lose all the, the guys who yeah, don't it's kind of like boomer bust. Uh, I do like one of the three balls. My boy Hideki, <laughs> give me Hideki at plus one fifty, beating out Dustin Johnson and uh, Gary Woodland. Uh, a lot of distractions for uh, Dustin Johnson, that South Carolina Hilton head area. And uh, who knows what he's been involved with uh, after the quarantine, same with Brooks, right? Yeah. Those guys, they like to party a little too much. As far as long shots to win, I threw out the Furick to uh, win the first round, crazy odds on that, uh, you know, around plus a uh, hundred to one soon J M at 28 to one over at my bookie.ag. Love that. And then rolling the dice on my new friend, Bud Cauley 
120 to one. Well, well, and I think you, you brought up, cause I want to bring two, uh, what, what is Rappaport call him? Stickman. Yeah. Two legendary st- stick Brooks Kepka, Dustin Johnson, heads up matchup. Dustin Johnson's minus minus one fifteen on the course. Of course we know Brooks Kepka's like minus 5,000 off the course, but <laughs> in this heads up matchup, Steve gun to your head, who are you taking? Oh man. Both guys have been really bad. <laughs> yeah. That's why it's a hilarious <laughs> match. And they're, and I, they're certainly going to be partying. I mean, gun to my head. I think I'm probably taking Brooks because he is mm. a little better suited for playing a style of golf where he has to dial back. I mean, with DJ, I mean, he's, he's not a young buck anymore either. I think he's like 35 or 36. And I mean, he might be washed now. Like I, I know he got the knee surgery in the off season. So maybe still trying to recover from that, but his iron play is really bad. His scrambling's bad. I don't think he has much distance as what he used to off the tee now. Like I, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, he might be on the downside of his career. So I guess gun to my head, I, I don't like Brooks at all this week, but in the, I ha, if I had to pick between the two, I'm going to take him. Yeah. I didn't know Dustin Johnson was from South Carolina. Yeah. And yeah, he, went to, he went to coastal Carolina up in Myrtle beach. And that's oh. even, you know, you get back hanging out with the old friends, more trouble for Dustin Johnson. Yeah. He's uh, just to close the loop on he's 35. Ooh. Crazy. Feels like uh feels like a bit older than that. Steve, appreciate you calling in, man. That was awesome as always. Make sure you check out all of Steve's writing over at sportsgamblingpodcast.com. Before we get let him go, Steve, sure. real quick. Has your win total projection for the Giants gone up yet this summer? <laughs> Is it affected by all the guys who've gotten arrested this uh, this offseason? I, I have um, not I've not seen anything. <laughs> what what did I set it as? As I don't nine? remember. Yeah, I think I I I think uh, my excitement that they didn't completely scrub their draft pick got me a little too excited. (laughs) I mean, honestly, if they go seven and nine, I think I'd be happy. There's still a lot of holes on this roster. Uh, (laughs) At at this point, I want to see I want to see Daniel Jones make progression. I want to see the offensive line do well, Um, and I want Saquon be healthy. If I can get those three things this year, that's, that's going to be a win. And then next off season, build the defense and then really get a legitimate team on the field there. I'll lo- talk to you. I'll get, I'll get you more hyped up <laughs> offline. Next time you're coming on, it's 12. It's 12. I love to hear it. Steve, get a legitimate team next year. Appreciate that. <laughs> Appreciate that honesty. And that's why, you know, Steve, he's not a bullshitter. No, no Homer action there. Make sure to check out all his great writing over at sportsgamblingpodcast.com. Join our Slack channel just just for <laughs> the chance to hang out with Steve on uh, you know, Sunday. I'm sure he'll be uh checking in on the chat room. So go to slack.sportsgamblingpodcast.com. Steve, as always, appreciate it. Thank you for participating in the Sports Gambling Podcast. And for the Sports Gambling Podcast, I'm Sean Stacking the Money Green, and he is Ryan. Greatest golf writer on the old internet. Kramer. Let it ride.